Happy Friday from all of us here at ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along the 1st of May in our first show of the fifth month of year 2020, the year of our Lord, features Ryan Stieg. He comes on uh, here per usual on Fridays. We're always grateful for his time and for what he brings to the show. What's up, Ryan? Happy May Day. <laughs> uh, I'm just kind of doing what everybody else is doing, kind of hanging out. Um, uh, a lot of good news that happened yesterday, you know, with in the hockey world. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good day, and I'm doing all right. Yeah, some good sports news coming out, some good content for us. It doesn't feel like May, or at least it didn't until, you know, I woke up today, which I guess means it probably should feel like May. It shouldn't have yesterday. But, man, the weather's nice. The sun is shining. I think it was, what, mid-60s out last time I checked? Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, it had been raining the last few days, so I kind of maybe like it created like this gloom you know mm -hmm. it's like things are already kind of down right now and now it's like now you can't even go outside just to like be outside <laughs> you know what i mean unless you want to get drenched you know so. hey but now we got nice weather we get to flip the calendar and hopefully we take it as a another day closer to a return to normalcy that's what we're hoping for but Either or, we've got plenty to talk about here today on ESPN-UP. Certainly, I want to get Ryan's thoughts on the draft because this is the first time we've had him on since uh, the draft was completed. Plus, like Ryan said, there was big news in the hockey world yesterday. We have our 61st Division I program, and we're going to talk a little baseball, plus the Friday funnies to end the week. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour. But, Ryan, the Vikings, I thought, had a really good draft. Your Vikings, I thought, had the best draft of anybody in the NFC North. Obviously filled two needs right away at the wideout position and on the offensive line. And then I thought they got a few value picks later on. Uh, I, what's his name? Die from Oregon. I really like his game. And then in all Big Ten safety and uh, Metallus, uh, they get him out of Michigan in the seventh round. I thought overall it was a really good draft for Minnesota. I, I, unlike a lot of teams, and you can also say unlike the Packers, <laughs> the Vikings came out into the draft and was like, okay, we need these positions filled. Let's go get them. And that's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. And that that made sense to me. I'm used to the Vikings maybe like just gambling on a guy that they shouldn't have or taking a guy at a position way earlier than they should that would have been in place when they picked like in the low 20s but instead they got you know a top wide receiver and justin jefferson had a guy to help out the line and then you know i think that was their highest amount of the last few rounds the highest amount of draft picks they've ever had mm -hmm. i think it was like 15 picks mm -hmm. <laughs> or something like that which is insane you know so and from what I've gathered from Rick Spielman is Rick Spielman loves him some draft picks. <laughs> when he trades, that's what he wants. And, uh, and it all worked out. They got a lot of good guys. They didn't mess around. They didn't think, okay, who's who's the whatever in the future? They didn't go the Packers route and throw everybody for a loop. Uh, it was just – I'm just – I'm so used to all these years just – it's kind of like the Lions in a way. Maybe not that bad, but you're like making a pick. You're like, what made you think that, that guy was going to be good? And then he ends up leaving the team in two years. But uh, I actually think a lot of these guys are going to stick around, so that's good. I tell you what, some of the big winners in my book from the draft, I thought the 49ers did really well, a team that was already in the Super Bowl. They had two picks in the first five rounds. They come away with Trent Williams, Javon Kinlaw, and Brandon Ayuk. I thought they had a great draft, and John Lynch was just 
just plain shrewd. Uh, Jerry Jones, it worked out for him, man, being secluded on his yacht. I know Cowboy fans were uh, terrified about that, but the Cowboys nailed every pick, I thought, in the draft. Yeah, he... You always wonder with the Cowboys because Jerry Jones is getting up there and he is, has he entered that kind of like crazy old man age, you think? Maybe not quite yet. He's getting there. (laughs) But he's he's approaching it. Mm. And when when he said he was sheltering himself in his yacht, I think people are like, is he just going to sit in the cave and... (laughs) just go by what name looks cool in the draft and go by that. I just, you know, I was kind of fearful. But, uh, you know, he, they ended up picking good guys. I know uh, Luke at Fox Sports is a big Cowboys fan. He was on top of the world <laughs> so after what happened. So, yeah. Um, so I, I think it was unusual, you know, because the Cowboys used to make all these great draft picks and now they're kind of like hit or miss. You know, they'll either get a great guy like Ezekiel Elliott or they'll just completely whiff on a pick. So, but I think they look good. San Francisco looked good. I mean, I think the Chiefs look good. Um, there was – the Packers were more throwing everybody for a loop kind of a thing. And then <laughs> the Giants were – Gettleman was being Gettleman. And uh, <laughs> so it's like – I don't know. There was no – team where I was really like this team just completely botched the whole thing. I know there were some questionable picks that I thought, but nobody I don't think had a disastrous draft. Let's say that. I, I tell you what, you were talking about Jerry Jones and has he entered that senile kind of crazy old man stage <laughs> and you know, I give him credit for how he did in the draft, but I see your point. There's a case to be made because of what he did yesterday. And certainly the Cowboys have a long lineage of wide receivers who wear number 88. You know, that just seems to be the jersey number for Cowboy wide receivers. Michael Irvin wore it. Drew Pearson, Des Bryant wore it. Jerry Jones assigned that jersey number to C.D. Lamb yesterday. C.D. Lamb is going to wear number 88 with the Dallas Cowboys. Lamb wanted to wear number 10, which is available, but Jerry said no. You're going to wear number 88. So either Jerry is trying to establish that long line of lineage where the Cowboys' top wide receiver wears 88. I'm not even sure that he is the top wide receiver on that team uh, with Amari Cooper still there. Or Jerry is just making the point a little bit further. He's going to drive it home that Des Bryant is never coming back to Big D. I think part of it is um, ego-driven and the Des Bryant isn't coming back, you know, kind of a thing that uh, – mm-hmm. I think, um, but maybe he is trying to make a case that this guy is their wide receiver for the future. And I think, I think that guy's got a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's like it might be jumping the gun a little bit because you still haven't seen him play in a uniform yet. Mm-hmm. You know, training camp hasn't even started yet. You know, you're just basing it on what his draft figures in college were. And if a guy wants the number he wants why would you force him to take a number that he doesn't want i mean does isn't that kind of like not exactly starting off on the great foot with an employee <laughs> you know it's like uh, it's kind of an awkward start and, but i give jerry credit he hasn't entered al davis phase <laughs> you know <laughs> 
I mean, I, I don't know how many listeners are available for that, but we're aware of that. But there was a stretch where Al Davis would just look at who had the best 40 time at the combine and just pick that guy because he was fast. It didn't matter if they needed that guy. <laughs> it was just, oh, yeah, that guy's fast. That's who I want. Well, you know? that's kind of rubbed off now onto Mark Davis and Mike Mayock because that's what they did with Henry Ruggs. And you know what? I think they had a pretty good draft overall in the sense that yeah. they know what they want to be. Maybe they didn't get the most talented players at every position, but they had a plan going into this week. And I feel the same way about the Eagles. They both had a plan this week, and that was to get faster because that was a, a big weak point for Philly last year in Oakland. Uh, Vegas now playing in that division with Kansas City. They have to be faster, and they both accomplished that. Maybe they didn't get the most talented players at each uh, position, but they accomplished what they set out to do over the draft weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with the Eagles, they they needed to fill some needs, and they got some needs, and uh, it's just, you, you just got to get, and the Raiders did, you know, against previous Raiders drafts. They're filling what they need to get, and they're going after the guys that are available that are good, and uh I feel more positive about those franchises right now that, you know, maybe there's some sense getting in there. They're figuring out what they need to be successful, and I think they're on the right track there. I do think there was a funny joke that someone pointed out with the Eagles was having Jalen Horkhurst and Carson Wentz talking to each other how their backups got them a championship. Uh, <laughs> What was that other meme that's going around that the two Eagles quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, it always hurts? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much uh, a good way to sum it up. I, uh, it's an interesting situation the Eagles put themselves in there, but uh, I don't know. I think if you're an Eagles fan, you're probably pretty positive hey, about man, how things are. What about the Denver Broncos? Because they're a team that I think – accomplished what they wanted in the first couple of rounds of the draft. They clearly want to be better on offense. Elway doesn't want to be one of those guys who swung and missed on quarterbacks all throughout his career. You know, even when they had Peyton Manning, they didn't win that Super Bowl because of Peyton Manning. So he's clearly trying to invest in Drew Locke, who had an abbreviated, albeit promising, rookie season. And they add a guy like Jerry Judy. They've already got Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant was a first-round pick at tight end last year. And then a backfield of Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, who maybe still has something left in the tank. And they have Pat Shermer for all his faults as a head coach. He's been an excellent offensive coordinator everywhere he's gone. I think Denver could be a team to, to watch this year. You know, and uh, I, John Elway, first of all, to start off the draft, you know, decided <laughs> – I don't know if he was making it uh, like uh, this is how awesome I am because he's sitting in his draft room with all three Lombardi trophies like right <laughs> next to him. <laughs> like, hey, this is how cool I am. But uh, it was – he's whiffed so badly on quarterbacks. And the joke in the, in the NFL has been – that John Elway doesn't want somebody to replace John Elway as the best quarterback in Broncos <laughs> history. So I'm going to keep drafting bad quarterbacks so I can have that legacy. I don't think that's the case, but it's a good joke that runs around. But I think he's realizing, I think as a GM, John's trying to groan quite a bit. He learned that he used to be obsessed with offense. And, you know, they had that great offense when Peyton was there. They made the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. And just like this record-setting team, 
but then they got blasted in the Super Bowl because they didn't really have a defense. So for the next time around, he really, you know, jacked up their defense, and that's what ended up winning them the Super Bowl two years later. So it's like he's making mistakes, but he's, like, trying to learn from it, whereas, you know, other GMs kind of stick with the idea that I was smart with my pick, even though evidence is otherwise. And So I give him credit for that because he's – kind of willing to change his ways a bit so well, i tell you what the nfl draft this year was great and it, it it was you know phenomenal seeing the home reaction seeing the families all where they were you know honestly right i like the virtual draft better than the in-person draft i i do too it's it's someone was saying you know during drafts and they said this is might be controversial but i like the virtual draft better and i'm like it's not controversial at all <laughs> i think a lot of people i think a lot of people like draft it was it seemed to go faster you know there you just there wasn't the whole hoopla of giving everybody on stage you get a hat a wave and you know the whole draft room thing it's just you make your pick there's a brief talk for about 20 to 30 seconds about the guy and they move on to the next one and it's just i think people really like that there was the draft went faster with that than it did whenever it was at Radio City or whatever city they decided to go to. I mean, it, I, when I was sitting there watching the, the draft on virtual, it went by faster than the one, the previous one in Nashville. The Nashville one just kind of dragged and mm-hmm. dragged, whereas this time it, was, it wasn't that bad. It was actually a lot more enjoyable, so I, I, I don't think – I think a lot of people like the virtual draft better. Plus, we had the de-evolution of Roger Goodell throughout the week, and you wondered if he was going to be able to stay awake once we got to day three. Oh, yeah. it uh, Doesn't he usually, like, pack it in after a while? Yep. Uh, like, day two of the draft, doesn't he hand it off to other people? Oh, yeah, after, uh, like, maybe midway through the second round, he's done. Yeah, cause, but he just he kept going forward through, um, got more and more casual with his wardrobe, and uh, I was wondering how much more he was going to do, <laughs> you know, start coming out in his pajamas or something by the time the seventh round showed up. Or, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, he he almost seemed human, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's like, I mean, I think people look at the commissioners as, like, just these suit-wearing, you know, robots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he, you know, he's at his home. He's, you know, he's encouraging people to boo him. He's, you know, trying to mix it up and connect with fans. He tried to do the skull chant. He, you know, he, um, it was, I don't know, it was slightly endearing. Like, yeah. he was, like, look, it's like he's trying to connect with people. Where Like, something that Gary Bettman could never do <laughs> on any level. <laughs> so, yeah. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you here at ESPN-UP. We'll take our first time out when we come back. A new Division I hockey member was introduced yesterday. We'll tell you all about it next on ESPN-UP. Here's Tom from Donkers in the Delft. Yeah, my buddy Fred Donkers in 1918, he had to live through the pandemic is right. He uh, started in 1896, so 1918, he was booming. And the, the uh, Delft actually just reopened at that time. And 1918, right after the war, they, they redid the Delft. And I'm sure the uh, theater soon after that pandemic, pandemic was packed to the gills and I hope we have the same situation happen and, and we'll be safe with whatever we do no matter what it's going to be uh, it'll be a fun time to see all our friends and family and have them come in and, and eat some of our tremendous food 
Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. college hockey probably more than just about anybody around the country and the up certainly and uh, we added a 61st program to ncaa division one hockey yesterday long island university announced that they will be adding men's college hockey for the coming school year so as if there wasn't any more uh reason to be motivated incentive to get things back to normal as quickly as possible we have a new hockey program which is going to be really interesting but you know if you were to tell me ryan that we were going to add another hockey program this week uh, long island U would be far from the school that i'd have guessed it was a little bit of a surprise to me what about for you that was an absolute shocker yesterday that nobody really saw coming because i mean you look at the economy right now and that's not doing very well that you wouldn't think us like any university would come out and be like, yep, we're adding a big program. <laughs> and, uh, and you think if anybody would, it would be one of the more established athletic programs. You know, there's, there's been talk for what, eight years now for Illinois and there's talk about, you know, Navy has been in the mix for a long time. And then instead it's long Island university out of New York, out of New York, um, whose name is the Sharks. The Sharks. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a perfect name? And that color scheme, you know? too. It's kind of similar to what the L.A. Chargers have with the powder blue and the gold. I mean, th those uniforms could look pretty darn sharp. Yeah, I could say that they're uh, certain showing out that Shark merchandise this year. They actually might have people outside of Long Island buying that gear. So, you know, I it, it's a good thing for them, but it's just – just with the economy the way it is and just a, a smaller school like that mm -hmm. to come out and say that. And it's not like this was had been – this must have been done secretly because anybody that I know who covers college hockey on more of a national scale said nobody was aware of this. Mike McMahon said he contacted some coaches when this was released, and the coaches, like, didn't believe him at first that this actually happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it blew everybody's mind. I was thinking if anybody's going to announce anything during this span before the season starts, it's going to be like Illinois or something. They're going to say, we're going to start in 21-22. And, you know, okay, I can understand that. But this, and the fact that they want to start this fall mm -hmm. is mind-boggling. <laughs> I mean, they, do we know if they have a coach or a recruiting class? Or I mean, well, they, they have an arena, yeah. I think, because they do have a women's program. Yeah, they have a women's program, and that could, uh, you know, so they got something there, but they don't have a coach yet. They don't. They say they're in the process of interviewing, and I'm like, well, wouldn't you want to hire that before you announce that you're going to have a team? <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I. I that just seems weird to me. And then you have a guy, they don't have a coach, they don't really have a roster yet because you can't really recruit a whole lot really until you have one. So technically, they don't have a team really. They're saying they do, but they don't have the personnel to actually fit the team. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I 
could understand maybe them starting in 21 22 mm-hmm. but this is a huge rush because the season starts in october practices start what like mid-september mm-hmm. something like that so you have one two three four months <laughs> or so right now to get a coach get a roster get everything organized i i just this is a very ambitious move, <laughs> I think. And um, and then some people are saying, well, they're hoping to have at least a 20-game season. And I'm like, well, what's that going to accomplish? <laughs> I mean, you know? right, because a lot of teams already have a full schedule for the coming season, and they're going to play as an yeah. independent for the first year. They, they say that they are hoping to join a conference for the following season, but they don't have any scheduling uh guarantees any kind of stability they have to go out and find games for themselves and at this point a lot of teams already have a full schedule for the coming year yeah i mean north dakota came out with their schedule i think denver came out with their schedule i mean the almost every team right now has either form has either released their schedule or has about 95 percent full of figuring it out so you have I mean, NMU hasn't officially released theirs yet, but you have a general idea of who they're going to play. But um, it's just you're going to try to play 20 games against teams that, like you said, have almost all completed their schedules. So who are you going to get? I mean, are you going to just play a bunch of exhibition games? You know, are you going <laughs> to play a bunch of, I don't know, AHCA teams? You know, club teams that universities have? Because didn't Arizona State do that? Like, yeah. that first year, like, mm-hmm. half their half their schedule was, like, club teams. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess if you want to go that route, you could do it. But if you're going to try to have a full 20-game slate with established D1 teams, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> nobody really has any dates available at this place. I mean, you even look at what NMU had to – they're playing North Dakota and Grand Forks Saturday, Sunday, because it wasn't working out in their schedule. Mm-hmm. So now if you're going to, let's say, have a series with a team, well, is the team going to be willing to play a Saturday, Sunday, or are you going to have to play them like Saturday, Monday? You know, it's just it's going to create some wacky schedules there. And now the question is what conference are they going to join? Right. Well, the one that makes the most sense would be Atlantic Hockey yep. because mm-hmm. – all the Atlantic hockey teams, you know, are pretty much the same size as Long Island would be, and they're all in the same general facility you throw on Air Force, and they're all pretty much on the East Coast, you know. So it, it, it looks good there. But then you have, well, they don't know if they want to be in Atlantic hockey, and then you have Atlantic hockey is holding out for Navy to make it e- equal. Mm-hmm. And I laugh at that idea because you're like, well, you're holding on for a team to start a program that you don't know when they're going to start a program. <laughs> and it's like you're ho- it's like it's almost like you're hoping that how, how, how do I put this? It's almost like you're in a re- you're like single and you're hoping that somebody is available to have a relationship with, but you're holding on, waiting for it to happen, but you don't know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how Atlantic Hockey is being <laughs> with Navy. Because Navy has been flirting with this idea for years. Mm-hmm. and But 
isn't really fully committed to doing so. And it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's, I think it's a mistake on their part. And, and then you're like, well, if they're going to stay independent, could they have like a, the, the conference of lost souls, you know, <laughs> of like throw Huntsville in there and the Alaska schools and all the teams that really don't fit in geographically anywhere else and call it that school. Cause someone pointed out the map of Long Island university and Alaska Fairbanks. And like, it's 2,200 miles or something like that <laughs> between the two schools. And you're just like, when you have a school like that and they keep and they keep getting added out east, you see it comes less and less likely that Alaska is going to be sustainable mm-hmm. any longer. Because unless like some West Coast teams start to get added, you know, have fun paying for those costs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's it was a crazy announcement that took everybody by surprise, and I feel like there's a lot more details that need to be figured out before they made this announcement. Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping it works because having another, having another team in college hockey is great. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the college hockey has been wanting to expand. It needs to expand, but I, I never thought it would be a school like Long Island university would be the one. And, uh, I had a couple people ask me, I'm like, were they, I mean, could they rent out Nassau Coliseum from the Islanders and mm. play a couple of games there? I guess there's an option there. Well, their women's but, team uh, did play a game there this uh, this past season. They played Wisconsin there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a possibility there. Uh, you know, a game there against maybe an established team could help amp up, you know, some enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I guess the – and it's nice to have – college hockey team in the New York City area. I mean, yeah, you can make the case that Princeton's there, but Princeton's in New Jersey, mm. you know. Uh, you know, Long Island, although not officially part of New York City, it pretty much is mm. <laughs> in its own way. So you have a market there. It's just the unfortunate thing is it's a tiny market. So it's it's nice to have a foothold there, but I don't know how you're going to really be able to build if you're going to have more teams around the city be able to do it. So that was by far the big sports story for me. I know for some people who are thinking like, you know, draft stuff, football signings, but that one was, for me as a college hockey writer, that was the mind-blowing one. Well, in Atlantic hockey, I agree, is the conference that makes the most sense if they were willing to allow them to come in. If not... I mean, their backup plan would be maybe the ECAC. They've got a few more established programs there and a very probably a small chance, a minuscule chance of them joining Hockey East. Otherwise, nothing else makes sense geographically. And honestly, it might be uh, more likely that they go independent. They continue on as an independent rather than join Hockey East and maybe the ECAC. Well, you know, look at Arizona State. Arizona State's been independent since they started. They mm-hmm. wanted to join conferences. They wanted to join the NCHC, but the NCHC won't let them in because they don't really have an arena, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, and then it's just, uh, I, I see them being an independent, but I, 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 I think they're too small to join Hockey East. They are, Hockey East already, aren't they even? Don't they have an even number of teams right do. now? Yeah, so it's like, Teams don't like having an odd number of teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, I mean, not teams. 
conferences don't like having an odd number of teams because it kind of creates this imbalance in the schedule. And then, you know, UCAC, I think, is even too. So Atlantic Hockey is an odd number. They, like, have that one team to make it. They don't have, they have one space to fill. So it, all the sense in the world is for them to join Atlantic Hockey. I just, I'm hoping common sense comes into play here. And, you know, they join together. I also hope common sense comes into place with Long Island in that, you know, this is kind of a big undertaking. Are you sure you want to do it this year? Don't mm-hmm. you want to push it back a year? You know? So it's a it's a crazy it's a it was a crazy day in college hockey that blew a lot of writers' minds. A lot of coaches were kind of caught off guard with that, and uh, I don't know it. Uh, but it's good mm-hmm. in its own way. It created news for college hockey. A lot of times, college hockey is it's such a niche sport that it you know it's big in certain markets. But this one, I think it's more of a national story because it's like. It was such a surprise for everybody. So well, and it's it, good news. It, it, it's, it's something encouraging and with our current situation, you know, especially when we see how the uh, economic uh, impacts of this uh, virus are being uh, placed on universities. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, was it the University of Cincinnati cut men's soccer? You know, th- there are programs that aren't revenue generating and they're not sustainable if the university can't make the income that it's used to or that it needs to support these and non-revenue generating sports get cut so it's nice to see that it's encouraging news that there's going to be another hockey school and uh yeah because you know cincinnati i think uh the university of cincinnati had to cut their soccer program i think you said that Mm -hmm. and then you have other teams that are going on and they're making cuts and then you wouldn't think a team would be coming out and saying we're actually investing you know, we're adding the program. I mean, you look at companies all over. There's layoffs, there's furloughs. You you, you wouldn't see a company coming out right now and being like, hey, <laughs> we're hiring like a million people, you know, kind of thing right now. You wouldn't see that. In Long Island, it, I mean, it was. It was good news. It was nice to see that a school is doing that. It's just there's a lot of technical stuff that's going to be in play here. That's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because where are they going to play? Is this actually going to be doable? Can they actually pull it off and do it this year? Are teams going to really want to play and revamp their schedules to accommodate them? It's it's a lot of questions, but they're fun questions. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't like a, a dire situation. This is the this could be a fun situation. But how fun will it be in the first year? You know, is it going to be lots of fun? Or is it going to be kind of like, well, this is kind of fun. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I tell you what, um, those are some of the fun questions we get answered. And a few others that I do want to have answered at some point. Who will be the 62nd Division One hockey program? Will Illinois finally pull the trigger? I know the Big Ten would love that. And they'd get to even out their conference at eight. Uh, plus, if there is no college program in Illinois and I'm not going to say it's a hotbed state, but certainly they've got a hotbed area for recruiting in Chicago. And they've got two uh, Tier 1 USHL teams out there in Chicago and Bloomington. So I think Illinois would make a lot of sense. You could get an established program there. And they have a really good club program there, Northern Illinois. I know they, uh, they're they pretty established in the ACHA. And then, oh, boy, if we got Navy to get hockey. I mean, they're the only service academy that doesn't have hockey, but could you imagine the Army-Navy game hockey style? Maybe play that at the Verizon Center in D.C. The president does the ceremonial puck drop. I would, 
I'm here for that, the Army-Navy game on ice. I, I think that'd be great. You could play it at Lincoln Financial Field, you know. Oh, at, yeah. In Philadelphia, you could do it there. It's um, The military academies are always in a different situation, though, because mm-hmm. a lot of their stuff is, you know, government-related, and you're wondering, <laughs> are they going to get the funding to do all that kind of stuff? But I think it'd be really cool that Illinois is – you have the Chicago market. A lot of hockey players are coming out of Chicago these days. Um, you know, the Blackhawks are very popular in the state. You, like you said, you have the UC, USHL teams there. It's, I think, it's, uh, Illinois is now like fourth or fifth in the largest state for recruiting for college hockey right now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really grown. Illinois would be a great fit. The problem is, is it's the whole the money thing, how are they going to do that, where are they going to put the arena, all that kind of stuff, because Illinois is a big school. Big Ten mm-hmm. schools' campuses are massive, mm-hmm. so it's like you'd have to find a place on the campus to put the arena, <laughs> and there's probably not a whole lot of room on the campus no. <laughs> to find the arena, so it's like there's a lot of little things in play that I think they're getting closer and closer to doing and coming out and saying we're going to do it, I think they want to cross all the T's and dot all the I's before they do so. And then there was also Oakland University, mm-hmm. you know, downstate. I heard they were, you know, they were playing around with the idea. Um, they had their explore, exploratory committee. I don't know really if anything's come out of that. I mean, I, I know they were looking into it, but they, they haven't really come out and said, you know, we're fully committed to doing this yet. So... Um, there's a possibility there. Um, I'd really like if more teams out west yeah. were adopting it mm-hmm. because, you know, I've talked to coaches before and they want stuff to move out west because it's like there's already a lot of teams out east. There's teams in the Midwest. And all it's great to have the Big Ten to have an even number of teams and Atlantic hockey to fill out and potentially, you know, Navy having one. But it's like, if they want to gain a foothold and really, you know, make college hockey a national sport, they have to expand westward across the map, you know. Mm-hmm. Westward expansion is a good thing. We learned that as a country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, have, I mean, they already got, you know, three schools in Colorado, but, you know, a team in California would be big. Oh, yeah. You know, Washington, you know, they're getting an NHL franchise in Seattle. You could tap into the market there, maybe UW getting a team. I know, you know, it's just California, I think, would be the biggest one mm-hmm. because California, as NMU fans know with Troy Logan and Vincent May and a bunch of other players, California is a hotbed of hockey players. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more and more players coming out of California, and I think a college hockey program, especially if it was like a Pac-12 school, would be huge for the sport so i'm hope as much as i love that these eastern with midwestern schools are thinking about doing it i really would love it if it goes you know leftward <laughs> you know moving you know across the country because the more and more states that have them the better the landscape's going to be 
Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you here in ESPN-UP. Let's take our next time out. We have a little baseball to speculate on next, ESPN-UP. As the COVID-19 outbreak continues, most businesses across the UP will need support. You're invited to visit www.update906.com, provided by the UP Economic Development Community, for the UP business community designed to offer a single online location of trusted resources, including currently available local, state, and federal programming, as well as local support. Go to update906.com to stay informed and up-to-date in this fast-changing environment. Tonics, fresh savings now. During these challenging times for our community, Tonix Econo Foods is working around the clock to make sure the needs of our neighbors are met. We remain fully staffed. We remain stocked with everything you need as we all work together moving forward. The Econo Foods family remains committed to you and your family. Tonix Econo Foods, always a safe and convenient place for your family to shop. Tonix Econo Foods, fresh savings now. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Filed by the city of Oakland against the Raiders and the NFL. The ruling said that the city failed to prove that it was going to be hurt economically by losing the football franchise. Taysom Hill will have tight end slash flex eligibility in fantasy football this year. He will not be eligible for use as a quarterback unless he were to become the team's starter. And finally, Joe Exotic, the self-proclaimed Tiger King of the hit Netflix series, ran for governor of Oklahoma in 2018 and received 664 votes. That is your Sports Center update. Glad that you're along. Ryan, how scary is it to you that, you know, everyone knows who Joe Exotic is now. You've, you've seen that guy from even the memes if you haven't watched Tiger King. He's got the, uh, he's got multiple earrings. He's got the mullet. Uh, he's got an eye, eyebrow ring, an eyebrow piercing uh, goatee. And he's just, he's a wild looking guy. Uh, he's got quite the history in the background breeding big cats um he had two husbands at the same time and he's quite the character uh we all know him now because tiger king has become so popular here while we're in quarantine but and you know during elections there will always be somebody who you know what is it one out of three people actually goes to the poll and vote and then a percentage of that will not vote for one of the two major candidates a percentage of that will vote for mickey mouse always gets quite a few votes every year harambe the the gorilla that was killed in the cincinnati zoo he got quite a few votes in the last presidential election you know popular uh characters stuff like that who will never be president they still get votes what have you because they're popular for whatever reason i don't i'm not one of those people i don't understand it but i know people do that and some people did that for Joe Exotic back in 2018 when he ran for the governorship of Oklahoma. Here's the thing, though, Ryan. He was not a meme in 2018. He was not popular. Just He simply campaigned, and 664 Oklahomans said, yep, I'm not voting for this guy because he's a meme. I- I'm voting for this guy because I want him governing my state. How terrifying is that to you? Uh, I think any time you pick a fictional character or a <laughs> – guy who, you know, let's just say has questionable (laughs) exotic animal choices (laughs) in 
is probably not the guy that you want leading your state. I can probably say there could be some economic problems coming out of your state pretty quickly. <laughs> well, but 664 people actually said, yep, before this guy even became famous, he just campaigned as an Oklahoman, and they said, this is the guy. This is the guy I want. Like, to me, that's just terrifying. You know what the thing is? He's probably going to get a good number of votes in this coming presidential election. There's going to be a lot of people who physically leave their house. They're not going to vote for Biden or Trump. They are going to go vote for Exotic Joe. They're going to leave their house, take their time, and vote for Exotic Joe. And I rarely feel good about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, it's, it's, weird. it's bad enough that some people don't vote at all. They don't exercise their right to vote. But people physically leave their house, take up their own time. They t go out of their way to vote for Mickey Mouse or Harambe or Exotic Joe. Like, that's going to happen this coming election cycle. It's, it's like clockwork. And it's like, wouldn't you... If you were actually going to take the time to vote, wouldn't you actually vote for someone had a, who had a remote chance of winning? I mean, even if even if you just even if you're a third party person, yeah. I mean, even you know if you want to vote for the Gary Johnsons or the Ralph Nader's of the world, go for it. But man, you really are going to leave your house and take time out of your schedule and say, "Time to put Mickey Mouse in the White House." <laughs> And to think that it could actually legitimately happen, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like the direction America's headed. I tell you what, though, we've got some baseball to talk about here because, Ryan, there was a proposal that came out here a couple of days ago. We touched on it briefly here on the Sports Pen. Uh, but Bob Nightingale of USA Today detailed a plan that baseball has as far as uh, potentially starting an abbreviated season. It would be without uh, spectators in attendance. Uh, players could train within their home cities, and some could even play games in their home ballparks as long as that city is able to reopen. And uh, uh, places like Washington, uh, Washington State, where they've been hit hard by this, they're getting to the point where they could uh, potentially safely reopen, provided there's no second wave. New York certainly was uh, hit harder than probably any city in the country, and it probably was hit harder than a lot of countries. Uh, they're getting to the point where they could have uh, – the Yankees and Mets play in their home ballparks, says Governor Cuomo. So that's all encouraging for me, and I, I'm glad that there's a plan in place here. And you know, before I tell you about the proposal, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift here, Ryan, because college sports, of course, they they not just want, but a lot of them need a college football season to survive economically, unless they're going to make major cuts. Uh, but you don't want to go out and put 18 to 22 year old kids at risk. So thankfully for them. Baseball is laying out a plan to try and restart safely. They're kind of laying out the groundwork for this. Hockey is going into another phase where they're planning to send players uh, back to the training with their squads later this month. It's weird how we're seeing the paradigm shift in the sense that baseball and hockey are becoming the leaders as far as restarting. I'm hearing more from baseball and hockey than I am from basketball, which is weird because basketball is almost always the trendsetter. And well, I think I think also basketball was the one that uh, also had the big uh, COVID breakout. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were the first players to have it, so I think they're probably being the more cautious group about it. But uh, I I'm, I like how baseball is doing this, and I like how this one made a lot more sense. I mean, you had the I know baseball flirted with the idea of playing all their games in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then they also flirted with the idea of playing all their games in Florida. 
and then potentially having Arizona, Texas, and Florida having games in the same time. But it's just there's so many technical things going on there, mm-hmm. and you'd have to bus everywhere. <laughs> you couldn't really fly, and it's just I feel like they're starting to move towards something, and uh, it's <laughs> they're almost like they're getting all their wacky ideas completely out of the way. <laughs> And now the and now the ones that actually might happen are starting to come out. So I tell you I, uh, what, uh, I'm excited to see how this all does pan out because there's a type of proposal as far as how uh, this would work. And one proposal I saw was that they would have three divisions of ten teams each. They'd have an East, Central, and West division. They'd throw out the AL and the NL completely. So Bob Nightingale, who reported on this, just speculated what those divisional alignments might be. And let me tell you, Ryan, these would be pretty fun. Uh, In the East, you have both the New York teams plus the Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Rays, Blue Jays, and Marlins. So you have the last two World Series champions. You have a Yankees team that is probably the favorite in the AL right now. You've got the uh, the Mets and the Phillies, who are both probably going to be better this year. The Rays always do more with less. They uh, they had a uh, playoff year last year. And then who knows what you're going to get from some of these other organizations, like uh, like uh, the Blue Jays. Um, I think we know what we're going to get from the Marlins and Pirates. But that could make for uh, some pretty good baseball. You know, if we have that division, it all depends kind of how many of these teams actually do go into the postseason. You know, um what the playoff format is going to be, but could you imagine if it's just three division winners and the next two best records and, you know, it's just five teams, two wild cards? I mean, that would make for some really good October baseball. I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I, I think having that quality of teams in that division is really interesting. I, I just hope that everything works out and that we can have – a season, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to just have no baseball season or, you know, the season for hockey and basketball just completely cuts off. I'd like to have a way for it can actually happen and for stuff to be completed because, um, what well, you heard about what hockey was doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, <laughs> what was it? We're going to take like the, Top was it like three, te- two teams or three teams in each division, and throw them in together, and you know go for the playoffs on that, and then but like some teams are going to get edged out simply because they're not in the right division. Mm-hmm. They may have a record than the team that you know. It's like I don't know how that's going to work. Personally, how, how do you like this idea for? hockey i came up with this the other day Mm. okay all right my idea for hockey is that right now you take the top eight teams playoff wise with records throughout the whole division thing just take the top eight right now and go straight into the postseason from both conferences Mm -hmm. you take the first round just if you want to get it done in time before you know the next season then you shorten each playoff series. Instead of a best of seven in each round, you make it like a best of five. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to do the first round, you could make it, this is a little far-fetched, but maybe do the first round, do like a best of three, and then do a best of five and go on the line. 
because you're not going to be able to keep what you have right now. So, but that was my theory yesterday. Just forget about the regular season. Go ahead and start the playoffs, and then realize you're going to have to shorten it. I don't know how many people feel that way about it, but that's just my philosophy. I tell you what, there's a lot that we could speculate as far as what uh, baseball and hockey and how all of these sports are going to go about uh, abbreviated seasons, what have you. But, I, you know, I do want to talk about that, too. I do want to get your thoughts, though, on the rest of the divisions here before we hit the break. Uh, I would have the Yankees probably as the champions out in the East. In the Central, yeah. Central, you got a really fun group in here. you got both Chicago teams, the Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers. So now you have four playoff teams from a year ago, the Brewers, Cardinals, Twins, and Braves. You have a Chicago uh, Cubs team that's always capable. They won 80-something games last year. The Indians won 90-something games last year but missed the playoffs. The Reds and the White Sox are both going to be much better. So that division could be, honestly, really compelling. I think the essential – I think that division, I think, might be the most intriguing because you have established playoff teams, and then you have teams that just missed it. Mm. So I – um. I, that, that's the one I like the most because I think the experience there is going to help potentially push them over the top. So that uh, right now I would say the champion's going to come out of the central. And I don't even know who the favorite is in that division. <laughs> I don't know that. I can think. Yeah, I can think the. Uh, I think that the central will probably have the champion though. Yeah, so. I, I, I can believe that. Out in the West, you have both the L.A. teams plus the Giants, Athletics, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. The Dodgers, to me, are the favorite there. I don't know what we're going to get out of the Astros this season. But then you've got Oakland, who was a playoff team a year ago. You've got an Angels team that's going to be better this year. They've got a lineup that features Mike Trout, Anthony Rodone. Uh, they're going to be better this year. You have the Padres that are approaching win-now mode, and the Diamondbacks are always a team that's going to be in the mix there uh, in September. So that division, it's got some intriguing storylines in itself. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I feel like the West is more top-heavy, though. Mm -hmm. You know, there's it's like there's not a whole lot of balance in the West. There's like two or three teams. Well, it's like, you know, when the Dodgers were in the West, it was like the Dodgers – and everybody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I feel like the West is like there's a couple teams, but everybody else will be chasing the pack. So I, it's it's all interesting in its own way. It'd be interesting if after this season, if they look back at that and say like, hmm, maybe we should get rid of the leagues <laughs> and stick with this division thing. Because who knows if it ends up working out and people really like it. I. I mean, we talked about on the show before, Rob Manfred loves change. Mm -hmm. He loves to get wild. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe that'll be the case. Tanner Hooper, Ryan Stieg with you here at ESPN-UP. We'll take our last time out. Friday Funnies next. Dave's Collision in Ishpeming specializes in scratch and dent repair as well as other major collision repairs, including metalwork, painting, and collision-related mechanical work. Dave's uses quality Exalta paint to ensure a clean, shiny, color-match finish. With over 26 years of experience, Dave, with the help of his qualified staff, has the knowledge to restore your vehicle to pre-accident condition. Make the right decision. Choose Dave's Collision. Call 485-1211. That's 485-1211. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. We 
Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad you're along. Before we send you into the weekend, we always end our work week with the Friday funnies, and this is no exception. Ryan, what do you have this week for us? Well, we'll start with, you know, we were talking about the draft, but here's a uh, Roger Goodell apparently uh, almost got hung up on <laughs> by a fan. He, as you know, he was talking about, you know, like um, appreciating medical workers and emergency helpers, and he was going to give a Baltimore doctor who is a season ticket holder for the Ravens surprise Super Bowl tickets for this year's Super Bowl. Mm. And he tried to FaceTime the guy, and the guy literally said on FaceTime, I don't have time to chat right now. And so Goodell had to basically explain thoroughly who he actually was before the guy actually would pick up the phone. So... <laughs> Imagine being Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, basically being rejected because they don't have time to talk. <laughs> that would be a bit of an ego blow. A little for, bit. Uh, Roger. Yeah. I have – the um, Warren Moon came out, former NFL great, said that he ran at his combine a slow 40-yard dash on purpose hmm. because that way he wanted to play quarterback – wouldn't try to switch him to wide receiver or something else. There's some other position. If, he goes, if I knew if I ran too fast, they'd be changing my position. So he ran as slow as he could <laughs> during the 40-yard dash so he could stay quarterback. I got to think maybe that's what players who want to play quarterback and not running well, I feel like that's what they should have to do. Yeah, you know? and, you know, it worked and, out pretty darn well for Warren Moon. Yeah. It's like, it worked out well for Tom Brady, too. Tom Brady's <laughs> a national small. But, you know, just be like, oh, you know, you want to switch, you know, Lamar Jackson to receiver? Okay, I'll play quarterback and run absurdly slow in my 40-yard catch. <laughs> I, uh, but, yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting. I had no idea he did that. Um, did you know that the cheerleaders were being broadcast live behind Goodell? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, it was – so, you know, during the draft, there's the 12 squares, you know, for the Chargers fans, eight, <laughs> where everybody, you know, there's faces, people cheering, all the, sometimes they film with the cheerleaders. Well, apparently the cheerleaders were doing them live because hmm. someone who, I can't remember if it was their roommate or sibling or their significant other was walking down the hallway while this was going on and opened the door to the bedroom and there is a Broncos cheerleader staring at her laptop doing the whole routine. So <laughs> this wasn't a this wasn't a like pre-taped video. They were actually doing it live in their little square, <laughs> cheering for someone. So I thought that was interesting. I thought the NFL would just be like, no, we're gonna do this all ahead of time. But no, they actually had cheerleaders waiting with each pick to have to pretend to care, I guess. That's what it was. So, imagine being the seventh round. You oh get to boy. that far. It's like where they draft like from the news Bob from the University of Nazareth or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, you know, and try to be enthusiastic about that. Um, uh, speaking of issues, so with uh, technology, there's the jazz announcer, the Utah jazz announcer, said that on Zoom, he 
admitted that well we were talking about how Mike Grable Mike Mike Grable where everybody was assuming that someone was in the background going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Well, jazz announcer said that he actually went to the bathroom while on a Zoom work call accidentally. <laughs> so I, I I know technology is hard, folks, but can can you wait until the meeting's <laughs> over? <laughs> and how does he accidentally do it? He apparently he said he took his laptop in the bathroom with him and uh, thought it was off, but decided to give his co-workers a full view of him <laughs> using the facility. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, whatever. I, I just, I was like, come on, dude. It's like, techno- Zoom is not the easiest thing to learn, mm-hmm. but it's like, didn't you hold off until the meeting was over before you had to go to the bathroom? I, uh, but, um, some of this other stuff, um, also, two people broke in to Neyland Stadium, home of the Tennessee Volunteers football team, and mm. stole beer, okay? Mm. Okay, so there's a hole in the fence, and five people climbed through the hole. The police were notified, and when they got there, there were still two people carrying 24 packs of beer oh my gosh. on their way to the fence when they were arrested. They said they went in stole it from the concession stands that were inside, and the beer was valued at $624. Ooh. So, I don't know. How, I mean, like, I, I give them props for their creativity to break into a football stadium to find <laughs> beer, but I don't know, 620 bucks. Yeah. Like, and now they got a felony on them because they were arrested for burglary and breaking and entering. So, that's was the beer really that good and worth it to go through that? I don't know. But it is Tennessee, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, some of the other ones I got are from, you know, have you been watching The Last Dance? Like I have, everybody yeah. else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, Carmen Electra said when her first date with Dennis Rodman, he got was in the car and he was driving to the date and he got on the exit ramp and was driving the wrong way against traffic, getting onto the freeway. That's the first date they had. <laughs> and somehow that didn't say, hmm, maybe this is a bad sign, you know? But they had a relationship after that, but that was their first date, was he almost told the car by going the wrong way down the freeway. I don't think anyone so, has better Dennis Rodman stories than Carmen Electra. Maybe Kim no, Jong-un. Maybe Kim Jong-un. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I'm sure he has some interesting <laughs> tales in North Korea, but uh, um, and then here's so you know and I know that there's no sharing in the press box. Mm-hmm. That's like a well-established thing. Well, Mike Wilbon during the 1991 NBA Finals in Game Two, the the famous that's a spectacular move by Michael Jordan, the Marv Albert call. Well, he was on press row, and and you know. You're not allowed to show emotion if you're a writer or, if you, you know, unless you're commentating on the game doing it live, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to show emotion. So to keep himself from screaming, he bit his colleague on the arm. <laughs> David Aldridge, his coworker at the Washington Post, he leaned over and bit him in the shoulder. <laughs> and he took off his jacket 
and he bit clean through the jacket and the shirt. There are actual teeth marks on the guy's arm. <laughs> so I'm like, you actually physically assaulted a colleague in that regard. <laughs> I think there are probably easier ways to go about that. I mean, you could have, you know, just, I mean, if you were that excited, could you just have, I don't know, slightly pumped your fist while you're sitting <laughs> down? Not, I'm going to bite my core. Because <laughs> that's like, that, that, that's like going into work Monday. That's like an HR violation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, complaints filed. Uh, yeah, he bit me with the basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, there's some fun stuff. So you got the Bulls, and they're celebrating their championship, and people are aware of their antics. Well, someone decided on Reddit, Reddit, to show a photo of the Spurs celebrating on the plane, and after the 1999 NBA Finals, and apparently it looked like a land party where a bunch of guys were, I don't know, downloading stuff on laptops because the photo is four guys at a table with laptops up in like 700 cords and they have headphones on so while the while the bulls are pouring champagne playing cards and partying i guess the spurs were i don't know checking their email or something <laughs> like that <laughs> i just thought that's just stark contrast going on there like and someone joked, this was probably Tim Tim Duncan's idea. Just <laughs> sit there and look at laptops while you're celebrating on the plane. I thought, I'm like, okay, that's that's actually sounds very Spurs like. Yeah, I, I can see it. Uh, yeah, um, and then this last one has to do with uh, with Jameis Winston. Mm. Who did you know he got LASIK? I did. Yeah. Okay, so for those who don't know, Jameis has near he was he's nearsighted and he has astigmatism, and he got LASIK eye surgery to fix that problem, and he now says that he can read license plates and street signs. Now that's a little concerning to me in the fir- in the fact that he couldn't do that in the first place. <laughs> so this man's driving a motor vehicle <laughs> and can't read street signs. Or the license plates in front of him. That's a little concerning. And then said Bruce Arians said that he couldn't read the scoreboard, but he could see the guys in front of him. So he's fine in his book. And I'm like, so he can't see the score, doesn't know how many timeouts are left, doesn't know the time on the clock, but he can see the linemen in front of him. So that makes him fine. And then, and people know Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last mm-hmm. year. So now the joke is, well, now he'll see exactly the opposing player that he's throwing to. <laughs> but I was, I was just like, why wouldn't he? Why didn't he do this about this sooner? You know. <laughs> Like, LASIK's been around for, what, like 20 years mm-hmm. now? And if you knew that you couldn't see very well, wouldn't you 
once you become a millionaire, be like, perhaps I should fix this problem. <laughs> if you I'm know? throwing 30 I, interceptions a year, I might need to do something about this. Yeah. Like, I have the funds to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's affecting my ability to play the game I'm being paid to do. Perhaps I should fix this. And it, it took him until this year after throwing 30 picks to get around to doing it. Now we get to see, is it is it going to pay off for him in the end? So that's, uh, yeah, He's been in the league five years, but maybe he's starting to, maybe starting to figure out what he needs to do. I mean, he did. I, I liked what he said the other day, now that he's with the New Orleans Saints, he's like, I'm going to Harvard Graduate School for quarterbacks, and uh, I don't know. He does end up being the first player in NFL history whose first and last throws with the same franchise were pick sixes. Some of that. <laughs> that's impressive. That is, that's great. Tell you what, yeah. uh, so are the funnies. Those are great, and uh, with that, we're out of time. But, man, it's always good talking to you. I appreciate you being on and giving us your insight, making us laugh, what have you. And uh, looking forward to next week. Stay safe and be well. All right, sounds good. All the rest of you out there, it goes for you guys, too. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the weather if you can. I'm Tanner Hoops for Ryan Steve. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UPWZ. I'm Ishpaming Marquette.